All right, so in this video for year 12, HSC PDHPE, option four, improving performance, we are looking at the dot point, planning a training year, otherwise known as periodization. On the left-hand side of the syllabus, we're going to go through five dashes, including the phases of competition being pre, in, and off season. We're gonna look at sub-phases, macro and micro cycles and what they are, peaking, tapering, and sports-specific subphases, such as looking at the fitness components and the skill requirements. And on the right-hand side of the syllabus, we're going to develop and justify a periodization chart of the fitness and skill-specific requirements for a particular sport. Let's do it. All right, so the first dash is looking at our phases of competition. So this is gonna be broken up into three. Each phase, however, should be pre-planned out in advance okay, to ensure optimal preparation and performance of the athletes, okay? Um, you know, failure to plan is planning to fail. You've probably all heard that before. It definitely applies to athletes, okay? If a coach is simply sitting down on a week-by-week -week basis and planning out the next week, that's not really going to be as effective as having an overall arcing plan that covers the whole year based around the phases of competition and then breaking down each week later on, which we'll get to in the next bit. So our three, our three phases are pre-season, in-season, and off-season. And here's the main points about pre-season training, okay? So pre-season training lasts about six to 12 weeks prior to the season starting, okay? So if I was like an NRL player and I am going to play my first official game in March, so six to 12 weeks prior to that first official week of opening season would be my pre-season training, all right? It's characterized by high volume training, so that means like lots of training, with a moderate intensity, so it doesn't cause excess fatigue. All right, does not cause excess fatigue. We're going to mainly focus on total body fitness, and when we say that, we're looking at more about health-related components of fitness, you know, muscular strength, muscular endurance, cardiorespiratory endurance, those types of things. Training like that would therefore look like the majority of your training block, such as this doing you know, aerobic work, doing strength work. Types of aerobic training, if you forget, such includes continuous training, aerobic intervals, or with strength training, we could be using some resistance training, such as free fixed weights, or we could be doing circuits, all right? But we're mainly focusing on those components of fitness that we're going to develop in our pre-season, all right? With the idea that you're gonna hit the season being fit enough, so you can actually last a match, all right? So if I was an NRL player, I should be able to start my season and I can run around for 80 minutes and I don't get tired anymore. Whereas maybe at the start of pre-season, I probably can't do that. So to facilitate this, our training sessions are going to be longer, okay, to help develop our cardiorespiratory endurance, but also mental fortitude, okay? You're gonna remember the mind plays a lot when it comes to skills and tactics in sports. And if your mind isn't trained well enough, then when you go into the season, it may not be up to, up to scratch. And then towards the season start, so as these six or 12 weeks go on, you will start to integrate skill and tactic work um, over time so that when you start the in-season, you're not just starting with no skills at all, but we're not gonna also start pre-season by focusing on skills either. So it's going to be more like, um, if we're gonna block it up like this, so our first little block here will be mainly fitness, all right? And then it'll be another block and it'll be mostly fitness and some skill and then towards the start of the season, we may go 50-50 fitness and skills, 
Right, so over time, we're gradually introducing more skills training to then start our in-season training block here, which is what we'll get to now. All right, so now we're looking at our in-season training. So the, the competition season has now started from game one all the way through to the finals. All right, this is the type of training we'll be doing. So the first objective of in-season training is to maintain any fitness that has been gained from pre-season. So we don't wanna just stop all our fitness work because the principle of reversibility will kick in and you will lose that stuff, okay? So don't forget your principles of training. But now that we're in season, we're going to do enough fitness work just to maintain what we've got. And then we're going to develop our skill-related fitness relevant to our sport or our position in that sport, okay? So if you're like an NRL player, you have very different fitness requirements, whether you're a prop or a winger, for example. Same as the skills that you require. We're going to focus on skill and tactics for the majority of our sessions. Um, once again, relevant to our sport or relevant to this position that we play within that sport and hence the principle of specificity really plays a big role for our in-season training. So pre-season training, it's just general fitness stuff. Everybody does the same. Now that we're in season, everyone on the field, like if you're looking at an NRL team, everyone on the field basically has different skills that they need to practice. Uh, and an NRL team will have very different skills they need to practice in season as opposed to like a hockey team, for example. So training volume, so the amount of training that you do will decrease. So you're not gonna do as long as sessions and in total, you're not gonna do as many hours of training. However, the intensity for those sessions will increase. So we're gonna make them harder sessions, more focused sessions, but shorter sessions, basically to mimic competition demands. So pre-season training sessions may be two, three hours long, okay, or longer. Most sports don't run that long, all right? Training in season is going to be short and sharp, 45 minutes, an hour, because most of the time that's going to mimic most sports that are played, and if not even shorter, depending on what sport or what type of athlete you are. So shorter sessions, and I mentioned in the previous video, maybe twice a day, all right? So you're gonna have short, sharp sessions, could be twice a day. The good thing about that is there is easy recovery because the volume of training doesn't build up so much cumulative fatigue so longer training, so shorter training sessions don't build up lots of cumulative fatigue so you can easily recover so that when you get to comp day, say on the weekend, you're ready to play, all right? You're not feeling tired or sore or whatever. You're going to do lots of practice via game-like situations or competition-like situations to perfect your skill execution and implement tactical plays. And this is the best time to do it in our in-season training. So then you can immediately apply that for your competition on the weekend or whenever you play. So that's in-season training. So our last phase of competition is our post-season training, all right? So post-season training is going to focus on complete physical and mental recovery. At the end of like, you, th you think about if you're a professional athlete, you've just trained for a whole pre-season, then you've trained for in-season, you've gone through finals and all the ups and downs and all that. Therefore, you are probably going to be very, very burnt out. You probably hate your sport. You probably hate your weekly regime at the moment, at the end of it all. So post-season is time to recharge. We reset, all right? The goal, therefore, is to hit the next pre-season keen and ready to go hard again, all right? If an athlete has a successful post-season, they're actually starting, starting to look forward to day one of preseason training again, all right? And 
unsuccessful postseason would therefore be characterized by the athlete being tired and fatigued and not wanting to go back to their sport when that day comes. So to complete postseason training effectively, the first thing we're going to do is have one week of total rest. Total rest, right? Just give everything up for a week. Go watch some Netflix. Go on a holiday. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Don't, tr- don't train. And then after that week, we're going to do what we can to provide active recovery for the body, all right? So we do want to try and maintain some fitness over that time. So therefore, the next preseason isn't as intensive. So to do this, we're going to train twice, maybe three times a week. Low volume training, low intensity, just to try and maintain something, okay? We don't want to experience complete reversibility. All right, remember, I'll I'll write that up again. All right, so we're trying to avoid all reversibility, but it's okay to experience some, all right? Because we do need to kick back. So we can engage in recreational activities, so for fun, all right? to maintain some fitness games. And those activities that we do may not actually be related to our chosen sport. So for example, a gold medal swimmer may go and play some touch footy, all right? They may not enter the pool at all in you know, the off season or post season, all right? They may just do a whole bunch of other stuff, touch footy, beach volleyball, bowling, whatever they wanna do, okay? Um, they may go running, cycling, it doesn't matter. But they're going to do some stuff that is going to hopefully keep some cardiorespiratory endurance while still being active and not being burnt out from the pool. And athletes can also, should try and engage in activities that have some sort of lateral skill transfer. So remember lateral skill transfer is transferring skills across sports of similar nature. So a swimmer, for example, may end up playing like Thursday night water polo comp for fun with his mates, all right? So they're still getting in the pool, they're still doing some swimming, but instead of looking down at a line and just going swim, 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 they're just like swimming around for fun and throwing a ball and having a laugh. So that's postseason training, and they were your three phases of competition. All right, so now we've got our sub-phases, which are macrocycles and microcycles. Now, this isn't that hard to remember. I don't understand why people struggle with it. Macro being big, micro being small, all right? If you look at, if you know anything about nutrition, you have macronutrients and you have micronutrients, okay? Anything macro is going to be larger than micro. Other teachers like to teach like the alphabet, you know, A, I, O, U. So mac, A is before I in your vowels. So therefore macro is above micros. Anyway, whatever, moving on. A macrocycle is very simply a long-term training overview, okay? A macrocycle will usually last somewhere between four and eight weeks, but it is going to be longer or shorter depending on the sport, all right? Different sports will have different macrocycles and that is the job of like a head coach, right? If you ever wonder like, what does a head coach or a head trainer for a team do? This is part of their job, right? They need to sit down the whole training year, they plan out macrocycles, microcycles, daily training sessions within the microcycle. Like, it's a really interesting and intricate job. It's not just something that you can just walk into from being like a PT for six months at TAFE. Anyway, uh, it takes into account your competition dates and finals, all right, to making sure that the macrocycle and the training block is suitable for what's going on in the competition. And a macrocycle will generally have a focus, all right, overall for that four to eight weeks or whenever. Now, a microcycle, 
okay? They're smaller blocks, usually a week, all right? Usually seven to 10 days within a macro cycle. So the macro cycle sits above as the, as the overall emphasis and then you have micros, you can think of them as weeks um, with focuses, okay? A micro cycle allows fine, to fine tune details around volume of training, intensity of training, needs. So for example, if a macro cycle had a specific goal, and then during that macro cycle, we notice that player X needs more work on speed and player Y needs more work on power. You can do that within the micro cycle, so within the week. So when you go to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday training sessions, player X would do more speed work and player Y would do more power work on those sessions, right? But overall, the goal may be just to focus on skill-related components of fitness. And the microcycle will also take into account the day of play. And that's important to facilitate a weekly peaking and tapering for our athletes, all right? Because you don't want to hit, let's say comp day was Saturday. You don't want to hit Saturday being fatigued from training on Friday, all right? So Friday you would taper, you would reduce your training load. And I'll talk about this again in a minute. Um, so that you're not tired come Saturday. But then the following week you may play on Friday. So then you would need to tailor your microcycle so that you're going to taper on the Thursday, ready for play on Friday, etc. Alright? So here's a very basic example, but we're going to do a couple of activities like this in class, alright? So overall I've got pre-season training here in a, in a very simple table. Alright, pre-season training. We noted it lasts somewhere between you know six to twelve weeks. So I've got eight weeks of pre-season training here, alright? In macrocycle one of pre-season training, our focus is going to be on general fitness conditioning, alright? So you know, like I said, aerobic work, strength work, those health-related components of fitness stuff. And then within our four weeks of, of general fitness conditioning in Macrocycle 1, we've got four microcycles. So this week we may do continuous aerobic work. This week we might do aerobic intervals. This week we might do some strength training. And then this week we might go back to aerobic intervals, all right? So they're going to be your focuses, right? And that's four weeks of training. Then in Macrocycle 2, which is still part of our pre-season training block, we're going to do some position-specific fitness, all right? So microcycle one, for player X, we're going to work on speed, they'll do some like anaerobic intervals, so they're working on their speed. And player Y, for example, who needs to work on their power, they may do some, you know, explosive weightlifting in microcycle one, and then microcycle two, three, four, the four weeks. So they're going to, it's going to, those details are going to change on a weekly basis. Yeah, that's subphases, macrocycles being large or overviews of training and microcycles being basically seven to ten days or weeks um, of specific training things that you're going to do on that week and like i said in class we're going to do lots of stuff around this so you you shouldn't struggle with it but that's sub phases all right so the next one is looking at peaking and what that is and then to facilitate the peak we need to do a taper which is the next bit Peaking, very simply, is an optimal state of physical and mental readiness. If you are watching this video in like term three, year 12, this is being like your last unit you studied before the HSE, you should be peaking now. Now is the time when you should be experiencing all of these things. And if you're not, then you've either, one, not put in enough effort and ramped it up towards this stage, or two, maybe you peaked early. Maybe you peaked in year 11, maybe you peaked at the start of year 12, and now you're just burnt out, and now it's just cumulative fatigue for you, all right? So training loads are ramped up over a macro cycle, and then they're tapered, which I'll talk about in a minute, immediately before performance to facilitate a peak. I'll just draw a picture up, and I'll leave it up for the next bit. I've got to tell you, I'm on fire for my drawings today.
I'll leave this up for tapering as well, but I'm just going to explain the peak here. So with peaking, what's going to happen is if this line, this blue, dark blue line, okay, that's training load, okay? So slowly over a macro cycle, okay, or in a season, the training load is going to increase and increase and increase. You're going to demand more and more and more and more and more in athletes. And then at the time when you want them to be at this optimal state of physical and mental readiness, you're going to taper. So you're going to cut back on the training load. And what that does is that it facilitates this performance curve. So performance will go up, go up, and go up, and go up. And it gets, when you get to the point when you're just about to crack, you taper it, and then your body okay, can perform at optimal state as opposed to this happening here if you don't facilitate a taper. So your training load goes up and up and up and up and up, just like in this one, and your performance is going up and up and up and up with it. But then if you continue to train continuously hard or harder than you did, cumulative fatigue will kick in and it will actually degrade your performance, all right? So this is why, this is how you facilitate a peak and it's why tapering is important. So planned peaking is an important aspect for sporting success, e.g. finals time, all right? So if athletes are training up and up and up and up and up all the way through the season and then they get to the finals and they start training harder and harder and harder, this will happen. The performance will go down, they'll lose, they'll be tired, they're not motivated anymore, etc. Whereas in that finals time, Sessions should be shorter, volume should be reduced, just focusing on the skill aspect and stuff to allow them to be optimally ready to go, all right? Signs of a peak. Your athlete or athletes should be in good health and they should have good recovery. They should do their training session and then they should, like, the next day feel ready to go again, all right? That's, sign, that's a really good sign of a good peak. Should be a synergy of skills, all right? So instead of them, um, you know, being good at one thing, they should be able to bring together all of the skills and tactics they learned throughout the year and they should bring it all together into one neat package. They'll have a strategic and tactical mindset and be able to think on their feet during their uh, game sense approach. The athlete should be self-confident and they should be motivated, motivated to give it all, all right? If you're turning up to a game and you're not motivated, you're feeling a bit down, you're feeling a bit tired, that's a sign of not good peaking at all um, and you actually may be overtrained at that point. So that's peaking. And now we'll do tapering, which is the opposite. Not the opposite, it's something that facilitates peaking. Okay, so here is the taper. So tapering is characterized by reduced volume and other aspects of training in the immediate days before competition to facilitate our peak, okay? Like here, this drawing. Training in this period can still be of high intensity, but it's going to be low volume, all right? and significantly lower volume as to what you had just been previously doing. It is a time when physiological adaptations manifest as a taper usually follows a period of high volume, high intensity training, something that we can call overtraining, all right? So if we look back at our pictures here, you can see that slowly over time, the volume of training has gone up and up and up and up and up. It gets to a point where your body can't take it anymore unless you're taking steroids, right? But we're not taking steroids. So the body is at its absolute cracking point. You've pushed it hard, it's, you cannot train anymore, and then you reduce volume drastically and allows this performance curve to go up the peak, right? If you continue to train up and up and up, higher, 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 your body just breaks down, you get injured, your performance goes down, you feel bad, you get sick, all that kind of stuff, all right? So a taper will usually last seven to 10 days for most individual athletes, all right? However, if you're a weekly team sport athlete, okay, your tape is going to be much shorter, but then all of these things are going to be on a much reduced um, microcycle, all right? So instead of like doing 
a few weeks of high intensity, high in volume training and then taper. If you're like a team sport athlete, you would do like a couple of days of high intensity, high volume training and then you'd taper for a couple of days and then you're ready for your finals day. Now this is an important point here and you can see here why this is important. The taper process can be a mental battle for athletes because they do not trust the process of no training or less training equals improved performance, all right? So you've been telling an athlete for weeks on end now, you need to train harder, train harder, train harder, train longer, train harder, go harder, go faster. And so they do that and they do that and they do that and do that. And then all of a sudden you tell them, all right, now we're going to just go for a walk today and a walk tomorrow and that will make you improve your performance go up. And they'll be like, what? That completely flies in the face of everything you've been telling me for weeks and weeks and weeks. So they'll go for their walk as their coach tells them. And then after their coach goes home, they'll go and they'll do an intense training session because they feel like that's what they really need because that's what they've been told. And then this happens. They have caused themselves to be overtrained and then their performance goes down. Whereas athletes who just trusted the process of the peak and the taper will experience this. And despite them being told to rest for active rest for a couple of days, they do it, their performance goes up. Athletes who, or, and coaches and trainers who facilitate a peak um, with a taper, those athletes will always perform better than athletes that did not. So that's the peak and the taper, and we've got one more dash to go. All right, so our last one is looking at sports-specific subphases, all right? So we know subphases are macrocycles and microcycles, all right? So macrocycles and microcycles being subphases should therefore be tailored for each sport or each athlete and therefore each position, depending if it's a team sport or individual sport, all right? Those subphases must suit the fitness requirements and skill requirements of each athlete, all right, to get the best performance, all right? You can't just blanket give an NRL team all the same training program. You can't just blanket give the whole hockey team the same training program. You can't give a marathon runner the same training program as a swimmer. Hopefully all this is like quite logical, but this is the point of this dash. So for example, in the in-season training part, remember now we're gonna focus on skills, but still maintain our fitness. A winger or a fullback on an NRL team may perform some high ball training during their chest sessions, whereas a prop will complete high intensity weightlifting in that same time slot, all right? Or in the pre-season training session where we're looking at developing our fitness, a center may complete more aerobic conditioning as opposed to a prop who may complete more strength training, all right? So while the center will probably do both and the prop will definitely do both, they're probably going to be tailored specifically so that the one athlete is doing more of one thing and the other athlete is doing more of the other thing because that is sport specific for that athlete, okay? Um, you know, or even directly if you wanted an even easier answer, okay, sport specific subphases, you're looking at a swimmer in their preseason training, they should be doing a lot of distance swimming in the pool, all right? As opposed to a league player who probably won't do a lot of distance swimming in the pool because it's not really sports specific. Okay, so that ends sports specific subphases and that overall is the end of our periodization video. Thanks, bye.